Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. And celebrating 10 years. This, this is MunchTech.tv. Taking a bite out of technology. And welcome to episode 496 of The Two Techies for Saturday, February 1st, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's latest and most notable technology stories in around an hour or less. Not today, though. That's right, episode 496 marks 10 years. 10 years of doing the show. And so we'll look back at the last decade of technology and the two tackies. Ten years, Aaron. A decade. Crazy. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, we're, we're talking before we started here and sort of in the weeks running up to prior and, and thinking about what way we want this show to, to be and, and what it's going to, to what, what function it's going to serve, I guess. And, and we decided, no, we're not we're not covering technology news that week. We're going to just look over 10 years of, of technology and the show because the two kind of run hand in hand. Before we go any further, because I'm sure we're going to lose a few people, uh, thank you. Just from, from, from myself, from Aaron, thank you so much for supporting the show over the last 10 years. It's because you choose to join us that we've continued to do it, essentially. Um, I'm, I'm sure the figures are lying somewhere that that many people actually choose to join us. Uh, Aaron, do you, do you listen yourself many, many times through the week? Is that what it is? That's, that's how I boost the numbers, is I just <laughs> it over and over again. Can I make yeah, myself absolutely. feel better? <laughs> it does, yes, I'm sure. It makes me feel better too. Um, but thank you. No, on, on a serious, humble note, we started this show. And, and I think if you if you think about the, the history of the, the, the January 2010 when we did, the first episode was January 30th, 2010. And that stemmed from the 27th of January, which was the iPad announcement. We'll talk about that later in the show, but that sort of, that was a dry run almost of what, what became the two tackies. And that was episode one. And here we are 10 years later, a decade on episode 496. And we're doing the exact same thing, albeit slightly differently in a, a different format and, you know, different ages as well. 10 years. A lot has happened. Technology, a year is a huge amount of time. If you look back at the last decade of technology and technology news, it scared me actually to think, wait a minute, this wasn't around and that didn't exist. And wow, you would actually look back and say technology was in its infancy. Um, And in 2010, doing the same thing, looking back to 2000, you would have thought yet again, the same thing. So that exponential speed that technology develops at is so apparent and so obvious when you when you do look back. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look back at the show and we're going to look back at the technology, which has featured on the show, as well as some of the people, um, the the big news, the breakthroughs, the history of the show. And in, in, in general, just look back at 10 years of the show and then potentially think about the next 10 years. Oh, well, actually, Aaron, 
didn't we have that discussion? I mean, we, we said we never thought, and, and we didn't. We never forward planned the show. We never said we'll make it to this episode and we'll stop, or oh, we'll we'll definitely make it ten years. I mean, in twenty ten, if you'd have said in twenty twenty we'd still be doing it, I'd be, will we? Okay, right. But I'm nearly sure we said we'd stop at ten years, didn't we? You joke about this, but imagine if we uh, if we said all this and then actually one of us got run over by a bus tomorrow. That would be very, <laughs> that'd be very awkward. <laughs> but yeah, just don't go out. Yeah. <laughs> Stay indoors. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, we never once said, not that I can recall actually, that XYZ will do us or X years will do us or, oh, we really want to make it to X amount of years to make that flight. And it, it is just week on week happened. It's one of the, it's one of the fun things that we've said this so many times. It's one of the fun things about covering technology is um, we've said it so many times, technology changes not even year to year. It's, you know, month to month or week to week. There is something different to talk about. There are companies that seem to crop up or we seem to talk about more and more. I know, I think over the years, we've probably got a little tired over talking about companies like Apple and, and, and Facebook and Google so much, uh, but they produce so much news. And it's one of the crazy things I kind of noticed when I was scrolling back through all the show notes over the years. I am so glad we put started putting show notes together so early, by the way. Um, scrolling back through them and seeing some of the names of companies and things that either no longer exist or you know we were talking about them in their very infancy and it's just like it's crazy to see how how much it's changed and just on the 10 year note one of the things that i think kind of hit me when we started talking about this you know probably six eight months ago is 10 years feels like it was like 2004 or something not like 2010 like such a recent time if that makes sense um and it's crazy how much the world how much technology has changed you know at that point things like the iphone were barely what, two and a half three years old we just got the app store two years before obviously as you said the the show is three days off the back of the announcement of the ipad not the release of the ipad just the announcement the announcement um it was pretty funny kind of this past week or two to see obviously everyone celebrating uh 10 years of the announcement of the ipad to see people who had kind of dug up and and and, and brought up news stories that were written around the time um about how the ipad would be a failure and this that, and the other and then it was kind of interesting to to regretfully i think play a little bit of of episode one come back to myself and kind of listen to what we had to say about it because oh boy it's we've come a long way let's just say that absolutely yeah and and that's the thing that as the show's developed we as time goes on you you, you become a, a different person um and they say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something, right? Yeah. Well, if we assume that each episode is an hour, roughly, give or take, it's 490 scouts, but we have a long way to go here. Well, I think uh, we can include all the other shows that we kind of veered off over the time and did as well. Yeah, and that that's also an interesting point to make because the two tackies was the core, which which sort of started everything, and that, that started our entry into podcasting. And with that, I think was it the summer of 2010, June, July time, that we kind of decided to, to incorporate you you had lunch tag but we kind of decided to incorporate that into a network and record produce other shows as well mostly surrounding technology um and they included social media weekly iplanet techsip lunch tag discussions which then turned into the saturday show which became more of a general non-technology related show and then podcast assist and each of those shows lasted a certain duration of time before we decided to wrap them and the reason we did was because it became apparent as those shows were 
developing and, and becoming what they were. Sometimes it diluted the, the conversation for the two techies, which we had a technology show and then we had a show devoted to a subset of technology and it, it just got a little bit messy. Oh, we talked about that in iPlanet. It, can we warrant talking about it again? Is it, mm, but what if, you know, and, and, and the stats were saying that if one person listened to one, then typically they listen to more than one, maybe Social Media Weekly and the two techies together, iPlanet and the two techies together. So if we were duplicating shows, that were just the point. And we just felt that everything was getting a bit diluted and, as well as the, the content quality of the show. So it was decided we'll wrap them up keep the two tackies focus 100% on that and that is what we've done for I th- when was the last episode of any of the secondary shows was it 2012 I think so social media 13. weekly I'm just looking and it made it to episode I 80 think, I, think something. I think social media weekly was over the 100 104 I think it made it to. wow so two years essentially yeah so I think about because I think we wrapped them all exact was it exactly the same week in or around I, yeah. I, I forget and that was I mean I remember the fact we had to record three episodes it doesn't sound like a lot of work and I know there are a lot of, of podcast networks that have, have come along since and will do far more than three or in a day and whatnot and it's like it takes a toll like the <laughs> we were waking up at like ridiculous hours to try and get those those shows done and I think one of the big things that changed that we probably haven't thought about so much is just how much the kind of the recording process and, and the technology has changed over these 10 years when we started we were obviously coming up with all these kind of convoluted mixer systems and, and whatnot um, yeah. and there was a lot of setup and editing involved which made each show take you know if you recorded let's say a 20 minute show it was easily an hour long kind of process in general if not longer um you, you know all of a sudden you take okay you're recording an hour it's two hours or three hours there's a, a lot of time to put into it but basically now we've we've got our process so streamlined that you know if you record an hour long show it's it's probably what hour and 20 in total including recording to get to kind of get edited and, and and get done like it's it's the technology's improved so much over the years and and i think we've simplified the process and whatnot that it's yeah it's it, it's crazy how uh how not how easy how easy Easy is the wrong word, but how much simpler podcasting is these days, um, recording audio and whatnot. And, and that's the thing, when we started, it was, you sort of had to have your own workflow to produce a podcast, and and, and people did it. It's not saying, oh, look at us, but uh, yeah, to, podcasting as, as a general, as a medium, has exploded in, in certainly the last few years in, in accessibility to those who want to download and, and listen to them, and also the, the ability to produce a podcast episode while our um, workflow and, and, and systems have changed considerably in terms of software to some extent hardware but the, the, the overall trend is simplification and streamlining uh, to do so much more you don't have to have as much anymore which is great and that, that was the development of podcasting back before again it was an RSS feed and it felt very inaccessible and very unconnected I think because a podcast was iTunes and that was it you, you uploaded the RSS feed to iTunes and, and, and people downloaded it through that and then my Microsoft had their offering with Zoom, um, which we had a good connection and a good relationship with uh, in, in, in through Rob Greenlee, who was uh, or had an involvement with Microsoft and Zoom at that time. But but podcasting as a whole, it, it really was. And, and that's proved by the fact, proven by the fact that we actually released two books, um, both of the same nature on starting your own podcast, launchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. And back then, releasing a podcast was harder. It wasn't difficult. It was just more time consuming and, and, and there were more loose parts to, to join up. Now, so much more connected, so much easier to, to listen and to download and consume a podcast, to some extent easier to produce as well and, and start, which I, is fantastic. It's why there's such a good medium 
in 2020 with podcasting. I think one of the big things as well with, with the advent and of the smartphone and definitely things like the iPad is the, the number of apps that would allow you to record, edit, upload on your phone, on your iPad have exploded. I think Dick Castro, I forget one of the really big podcasting apps that also centers around being able to record straight onto your phone, then upload. And it's like we're even at the point where there are so many accessories that you can get that you don't actually have to use the microphone um, on your on your phone to record. You can plug stuff in. Like the smartphone has really exploded kind of so many things in the podcast world in, in, in a good way, um, yeah. which is something that we just didn't have access to at the, at the beginning. I mean, let's not pretend podcasting had been around for a long time by the, the time we started. I think the popularity of the medium was already, you know, almost a decade old at that point. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. And it, it also, in another way, it's so cool to see, I think, over the past probably four or five years, how how incredibly mainstream podcasting has become in a good way. I don't say that in like a in a hipsterish or we did it before it was cool kind of way. I think no, it's, no, no. I see so many of my friends, so many of the, my colleagues I work with, and it's like podcasting has just entered everyone's lives. There is something for everyone. Um, I think when we started, podcasting was there. Uh, there were a lot of I think radio networks, uh, BBC were were pretty big in the podcasting scene, not necessarily through producing original content, but more through they take their kind of specialized radio shows and they would make them available and that just got lots of downloads. There were obviously lots of uh, popular podcasts around at the time as well, but it was kind of felt very tech, business, kind of science, that kind of yeah. area focused. And, and in 2020, there is something for everyone. Um, there are Absolutely. New, there are new podcasts being created every day for anything. And that is 100% a positive thing. Um, we've spoken about several times, I think, on the show over the years about one of the things we really praise that Apple for in podcasting because podcasting is kind of it came around from Apple the, the, the popularization was really helped by things like iTunes and the iPod um, is the fact that they just let it be they just let the community figure it out and that happens so rarely these days podcasting was something that I I, I think we we in a way we praise Apple for leaving it alone I don't know if Apple deliberately left it alone or they just did that thing they always do where they'll push something out and then forget about it for 10 years um, and for once actually that was the best thing they could have done um apple provided the platform in itunes itunes probably still is but at least was the place to be um every podcasting app uh i think still basically reads off the itunes uh, feed it was free to submit super easy to do um and they just let it be they didn't start introducing uh you know automated adverts or a paid system or any of that kind of thing that probably could have cannibalized or or pretty reduced the popularity of podcasting as a as, as a thing so i think we do have to kind of praise the platform a little bit and and how i think how accessible it is it's like podcasting is one of those things where i want to say it's like kind of the old way of getting news through rss and whatnot. i know podcasting is often delivered the same way but it's like it it shows you what a what an open source platform almost can do and it's just one of the things i always look back on is just crazy to see how popular it is it's like it's just going back to what i was saying the um the fact that friends and colleagues who aren't techie really at all or you know definitely wouldn't be in that space um like podcasting is a, is a word they use now or listening to podcasts is, is a word in their vocabulary which 100 was not a thing 10 years ago i think when you had to explain to family members or to friends what you were doing podcasting was something you then had to explain what that was and that's changed yeah. that's just changed so much in a good way and that's it back when we started in 2010 there were podcasts ranging on everything and that's that's why it was such a great medium but i feel there was a a, a bigger focus 
focus on technology because podcasting was done through the use of technology. Now, couldn't be any further from the truth. We have a podcast on technology because that's what we've, we chose to do a podcast on. That's what we have an interest in. That's what we, we feel is worth talking about to us. And that's what we have a, a say on. But podcasting reaches every medium, every form, every audience on every subject, literally on anything. And from, from many perspectives, and we covered it in the book as well, that's fantastic in so many different ways. Because if you're a business trying to reach out to customers, podcasting, great way. If you're a charity trying to reach out to, to volunteers, patrons, potential new partners, fantastic way to reach out. If you are just two friends who want to talk about something you enjoy and want to share that that enjoyment, that interest, hobby, passion for that subject, you can do that too. There's so many ways and, and you can monetize, you can keep it as a hobby, you can you can do so many things. And, and that is exactly why podcasting is so versatile, so dynamic, so fantastic. It's a medium and a platform for everyone and anything. And what, what you said is interesting because we started with iTunes. Podcasting was iTunes in 2010 to, to, to a major extent. That has completely changed because if you say podcast, yes, iTunes com- comes to head, but so does Zoom, so does Podcatcher, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocketcast, Downcast, Stitcher, um, it says Stitcher twice, whoops, uh, they're not endorsed, CastBox, Breaker, it's on Alexa, it's on Google uh, Echo, it's on the HomePod, it's on Sonos devices, it's on everything and so are we so good to know if you change your device you're not going to lose this but you know it's it's on iphones it's on android phones on what were windows phones it's everywhere and that's why it became so versatile and and so reachable i think why it changed from a a monopoly in itunes to basically a very open conversation around the world on every device and every platform just on the note of um i think the diversity of podcasts one of the interesting things i think because it was helped by the fact the recording got easier which is going back to what i was saying it's like i say you can do on any device you have and it it truly some of my favorite podcasts that i listen to are it just felt like someone put a microphone in you know a general conversation that a group of friends would have like i think that's like my favorite form and that's become so much easier because when we started before we started for the people who came before us obviously um as well but there was a lot of setup you knew you were recording Recording a podcast, if that makes sense. Like, imagine going onto a radio show. The amount of of kind of prep and and things you have to do, and the tech you have to have. Like, you go into radio mode. You went into podcasting mode. I think. Whereas today, you just hit record on a bit of software on, on your Mac, on your PC, yeah. on your phone, and you you uh, you open up VoIP. I mean, getting VoIP to work still takes a while. Um, <laughs> if there's one if there's one thing that hasn't changed in ten years, it's the fact that all VoIP software is still terrible. Um, but you just open up. You just hit record and you just start talking like it's again like i say some of my favorite shows i've listened to for years now um i do just feel like they are a recorder on a phone or in, in between a, a group of friends it's, it's such a laid back kind of platform that i love it if you think about it and we and we will move on in a second but you think about the development and the progression of podcasting and I said about the book, and, and this isn't to, to advertise the book, but if you want to buy it, it's over at munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. Um, but all of it is still relevant, but not all parts need to be relevant. By that, I mean that some of the equipment you can certainly use and, and have, you don't need it. You don't necessarily need it if you want to start a podcast. All you need, a microphone or something with the capability of a microphone, something to record on, and that can be a phone. And your microphone can be the phone as well, and something to, to upload it on. And again, could be the phone if you really wanted to be. You can make it as as complicated, as complex, as as professional, as high tech, or as low tech as you want. But looking looking through the the, the content 
Uh, in, in the book, you know, there's microphones and mixers and headphones, compressors, cameras, capture cards, what cables? I mean, back in 2011, 12, 13, there were so many different cables and different compatibilities and, and there's editing, yeah. hosting, where to, do, where to do host we, your podcast website, distributing it, tracking stats, promoting, do you want to monetize? Yeah, and, and, and there's websites online now that do all of that in one. Crazy. Do, you always, do you always remember us? I think the many, many hours of talking about it, trying to figure it out how mix minus work. I think that blew <laughs> our minds for so long. Mm. Yeah, but uh, exactly. And th- but th- 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 microphones, the one thing, if you're wanting a standalone microphone, do you want a condenser, a dynamic, a cardioid? What about omnidirectional? <laughs> you know, XLR, do you want an XLR interface, an analog microphone? Do you need a digital one, USB? What, what, what stand will your microphone take? Do you need a mixer, an analog one, digital? Do you need IO? Do, do you need XLR? Three and a half mil, quarter inch? Do you need do you need 10 channels or do you need one? Going to apply EQ to it? Do you need an send? <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's what podcasting was. And I guess that put a lot of people off it at the time because like, oh, this is just too complicated uh, headphones you're gonna listen to yourself back you're gonna be are you talking to people you should probably have closed headphones if you're in a, a multi-person environment but semi-open might work open's not a good idea if there's gonna be a lot of you at once but if you're on your own open would work do you need a compressor how's your audio are you gonna match everyone um yeah what, what should the threshold be in that compressor the ratio it's just crazy capture cards does your computer have the technology to take the input from the mixer is it digital around oh crazy and now you think about it you don't need half of it and you can but you don't need it and that ties in well because in the book there's a fun fact that says in 2011 there were 150,000 podcast episodes or sorry 100 not not, not episodes 150,000 podcasts available and then it stated and that number is constantly increasing and it is it 100% is because it is now in 2019 well 2029 but in 2019 as of late 2019 there were 800 thousand podcasts available online and an estimated 54 million plus episodes available so in 2011 150,000 when we were doing this show there was in or around 150,000 now there are 800,000 plus podcasts available online that's an increase of 433 percent enough said and that is because of the accessibility the openness of the platform and the ease to create them as well more people are creating them because they've become easier to create amazing absolutely amazing speaking of stats if you if you think we would normally cover four episodes or four stories in an episode before that's nor that's sort of been slimmed down to three hundred or three hundred no three um, stories in an episode and so if you roughly take the stats it's not accurate but our estimate is we have covered over seventeen hundred stories in the last ten years one thousand seven hundred technology stories and I don't think there was ever a week where we I mean some weeks are worse than others we think what are we going to talk about it's a quiet week sometimes it's difficult to say what is actually interesting what can we talk about and not ramble on like two muttering idiots but for the most part we, we never really truly properly struggle 1700 stories and there are so many we could have chosen that we didn't it's, uh, Did- it's, it's funny some weeks when we're like oh it's just this is a real struggle to pull the show notes together oh god there's not much to talk about and then it's like probably at our longest episodes I've never worked out how that works because <laughs> yeah, we're good at talking rubbish yeah, right? exactly <laughs> yeah, well you are you are Aaron oh, sorry that's oh, <laughs> touche touche <laughs> um in theory for this show alone each episode is about what an hour as we said 60 minutes so that would result in just over 29 and a half thousand 29,760 minutes or 496 hours which is yeah you say those figures and you think oh, that's, that's, hmm, okay in days that equates to approximately and I, this is all approximate 20 days 20 and a half days non-stop of us talking two-thirds of a month of us talking non-stop if you're ever bored you know what to do um 
to make it slightly more interesting, if we were releasing this on CDs, and we have discussed that, Aaron, haven't we? I mean, we, we could, it, it could still happen. Mail order. Yes, um, exactly. For a small charge, we'll burn the disc. If you want the full catalogue thus far, the 10 years of the show, 496 episodes, that will, will be about 372 CDs. Or, if you're more retro than that, 330 cassette tapes, 45 minutes aside. If you unraveled that tape, that would be 42,900 metres worth of cassette tape, which would just be over a marathon 26.7 miles worth of us talking many hours have you recorded at uh, 20 26.7 miles 120 months of the show 521 weeks that equates to realistically we should have 521 episodes but life gets in the way so it's 496 you'll just have to do with it um we've recorded the show in five countries in the last 10 years notably of course england and northern ireland normally um but also uh, when we visited austria we recorded an episode in vienna uh, the czech republic we recorded an episode in prague and then we were in spain on numerous occasions we've recorded two or three episodes uh, in in malaga and the andalusian region of spain so it'll be interesting to see in 10 years time iron another 10 years if we're still going if we're still doing this, how many countries will have recorded in then? Will it still be five? <laughs> or will it be double or more? And speaking of countries, over to you, who chooses to join us each and every week. 145 plus countries. Unfortunately, there are um, there's, there's a few years where we can't trace back due to the, the provider changing systems. But the most accurate uh, number we can get at the minute, 145 countries we have been downloaded in. We have been joined by 145 countries. Phenomenal. Crazy. And that is the power of podcasting. Surprising that people in 145 or more countries want to listen to what we have to say, but seemingly that's the case. Aaron, you were a bit stuck on this one. Um, in the guesstimate yeah in the last 10 years so we tried to put together like uh how many iphones have been released how many android phones have been released i've also put in some stats of uh like how many wwdc's have there been and whatnot and iphones pretty easy to count back i think i got to roughly i believe it's 12 uh the first one we would have covered on the show i think was the iphone 4 so when the show came out in the beginning of 2010 we would have been on the 3gs um so i think the 4 would have been the first one we covered which was a pretty good first one to cover considering the uh the whole gizmodo thing um like i say 12 is a nice easy number nice easy number to count when it came to android phones however <laughs> you may remember or you will have seen in this document before that i gave up slightly counting and just I, sort I, of I, mashed yeah. the number pad and called it a number but you uh you weren't happy with that and you went and found some no probably slightly more accurate numbers although it kind of is hard to say how accurate they are because android is a completely different uh completely different beast isn't it? It's a more open source platform that can be installed on literally anything. There could be manufacturers in countries we've never heard of running Android. Uh, the number we've got, bring when it's 12 for iOS, the number we've got for Android is 24,000. Well, it's not 24, 24,000 plus devices. And, and, and you're not reading 2,400 and adding another zero on the end. It is actually 24,000. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot is what it is. Um, it's just funny to see the, the kind of disparity of the numbers. Uh, between the two but yeah it's it's been a uh 
wonder how old Android would have been, because Android is about, Android is kind of a, a Google platform, we'll say, I think is a year-ish younger than the iPhone. So Android was really quite new when we started. Um, I think I also remember in the kind of the first 12 months the iPad was out, I have vague recollections of us talking about how it would be really interesting to see how um, Android will play out as a tablet OS. And here we are, 10 years later, still waiting to see how Android will play out as a uh, tablet OS. It's safe to say Apple have that one pretty much wrapped out. But we talk about, I think, iOS a lot. Um, but just to look at the Android side of things, it, I think it's kind of crazy to see the ebb and flow of Android over the past 10 years. Um, I think in, in like the early, probably, you know, the first two, three, maybe even five years, we kind of spoke about Android as the second rate citizen to iOS. It definitely felt like Apple had the phone market figured out. And I think that's still kind of true. Not that Android is second rate, but that Apple have uh, definitely the money side of the phone market figured out but android has just like exploded in sheer numbers over the past few years so many people are using android it truly is like the, the choice on that side of things if you want a very very good phone if you want an iphone equivalent phone over on android there are so many choices which is just so so different to how it was um obviously we've seen manufacturers come and go we saw kind of the rise and fall slightly of, of companies like htc um when we started samsung were definitely not a big player in the phone market um everyone was making candy bar phones at that point um so it was a little unusual um very interesting to see i think i think the kind of right around probably the s3 s4 how how samsung really took off in making phones um companies we'd never heard of obviously i think htc they were not a premium phone manufacturer until uh, they started making the android phone and obviously me and you both had our htc wildfires at some point um which was a short-lived experiment i think for both of us <laughs> <laughs> um, I think when we... St- started. Were we still running was it Symbian? Did we, yeah. we still have our yeah. Nokia phones? I can't remember if I still had the E71 or not. I know I know I had a my first iPhone was a 3GS. Um, yeah, you, you definitely had the E71. But yeah, I think the 3GS I probably had right around when the 4 or 4S came out. It was a little bit later. But um, yeah, I've still, the E71 I think is still around in the house somewhere. I think we have like a, a box of old candy bar and kind of QWERTY keyboard phones, which is always is pretty funky to look back. And one of the things I loved about that phone it's like the build quality still holds up today that phone was ridiculously thin and made out of like solid metal it was a lovely thing but uh, funny to see how uh, probably when that came out we were talking for a little while I think after it's like oh you know Symbian and Nokia still rule the roost and then the conversation quickly probably changed a little to Nokia should probably move on to the likes of Android and then well the rest is history Nokia pretty much disappear from the phone market don't they Um, that they stay we talked about how they stuck with Symbian for far, far too long. Um, mm. But yeah, it's uh, crazy to see the, uh, like I said, I think as we said at the beginning, the, the companies, but specifically things like the phone manufacturers, how the, the, some have come and gone. Obviously some still, you know, Samsung's still stuck around. Um, but yeah, they're, they're like Huawei, I think never really a company any of us had heard of, probably uh, probably in 2010. So many, so many stories like that. So 12 iPhones in, in the last 10 years of the show. But it's also interesting to, to note that the iPhone's still in its infancy to some extent it was it was only three years three years old it had been released 2007 we started 2010 so even at that the iphone didn't have its market share of which it does today what it is important to note um before we go any further is as a technology show and i i i think we were always cautious and and, and are still to today whilst we i mean i i use apple devices i i i love them in comparison to what else is out there i think it's it's, it's for me 
it's the the best option. But that doesn't mean I, I turn around and say, oh, Android's rubbish or XYZ. No, it's not as good. It, because it's not true. Technology, especially in 2020 and 2019, 2018, it's not a case if one's better than the other. It's just a case they do things differently. And one way sits one person, another way sits another. And so I don't think, I mean, there are devices better than others, but as a whole, technology devices are very capable, regardless of spec, regardless of manufacturer software, they're capable of of a lot of the same things, just in different ways. So we've always been very cautious and very careful to not slate devices for, for the fact that they are different to what we like or use. As a technology show, we've always tried and we'll continue to try to, to focus on every tech company on their merits. So we'll talk about Apple, Samsung, Microsoft, Google, and then Facebook, Twitter, Huawei, all the companies out there and then hundreds more, but based on the company rather than our personal opinions, based on what is actually going. And of course, as a show, as a podcast, we are going to, to say what we think and whether it's it's for us or not, but, but we try to be unbiased and impartial as to, as much as we can be. Sometimes Aaron pushes the boat out a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I, ha- I have been known to offend people <laughs> <laughs> just 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 sometime no i'm joking um so overall you know the, the show as it's developed 10 years has has pulled some really interesting stats both to the show and, and the technology surrounding it also through the 10 years we have been joined by some fantastic people really interesting some really well known and and some just really nice people we haven't in the last couple of years but that's just down to time constraints down to resource and so on and so forth but even the show's infancy we we we, we sort of featured people and, and brought people on um, to join the discussion because it's always interesting to get other opinions other viewpoints from other parts of the world and a lot of those people joined us from america over the pond our friends in the usa in no particular order um we had and we extend our thanks to veronica belmont who joined us in episode 86 bill elder who joined us specifically on episode 36 to talk about the digital economy bill which was a bill at the time it is not an act um, which was being enrolled in the uk and it was in to, to some extent um had small echoes and vibes of net neutrality and bill who was a, or is a retired um radio disc jockey with more than 30 years experience brought a really interesting viewpoint to to that discussion you might also recognize bill elder if i were to play him right now this is the two techies who joined us on on a lot of episodes as our voiceover artist for some of the intros which featured previously on the show we don't we don't have bill at the start of the show anymore because we just changed the the way in which the intro rolls but that um bill featured on many episodes um and you'll recognize his voice ron knights episode 52 chris perillo who was yet again another chris was a tv host in america for many years and when technology really was in an infant state back in the 90s and into the 2000s. He joined us in episode 90. Bruce Naylor uh, and his wife Cindy, who together have uh, a web security and network security company and also have um, a foot in on the technology industry. Maybe a little bit more towards um, online security, but they joined us episode 42. Don McAllister, Screencast Online, joined us in 29, 64 and 307. Don is well known to Mac users and those who want to get to know their Mac better, um, producing quality content every week for um, a subscription over at his website. Thank you to Don, who, who is actually from the United Kingdom, based in Liverpool. 
Steve Wozniak, <laughs> we would be remiss without saying that, who joined us on episode 112, probably, th- th- and, and not to discredit anyone who we've ever had in the show, but Steve would probably be the most well-known and well-renowned guests that we have ever had on the show, given he is the co-founder of Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world and, and best-known companies in the technology sector. That was that was 2012. The, the, the 18th of January 2012 is when that episode was recorded, eight still, years ago, essentially. I, I still remember it perfectly. The, uh, the amount of planning and prep that had to go into it, um, mm. obviously, with the, with the unfortunate circumstances in which we had to kind of rearrange the first recording date, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun one, if not slightly nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, sadly and, and and unfortunately, the show was scheduled um, to go ahead and to be recorded in October 2011. Or maybe just before then, or no, sorry, just after then, in or around that time anyway. And of course, sadly, Steve Jobs passed away, who would have been a, a very close friend of Steve Wozniak at the time. And so that that was postponed and rescheduled. But Steve stuck to his word and, and joined us later on at the start of 2012. Rob Greenlee, formerly of Zoom, episode 59, 171 and 260. Um, as I say, formerly of Microsoft and Zoom, Rob uh, was a good connection for the show in that he fantastic technology knowledge and experience but also he had that that connection to zoom and the zoom platform which was the core podcasting service and app within microsoft dave crier episode 53 cliff ravenscraft episode 72 and i also believe 40 the first christmas gift guide 42 no i could be wrong on that do you want to uh, have you any idea no i think it might have been one other episode i think cliff joined us in two episodes matthew pierce episode 43 and 57 and and last and as you say by absolutely no means least eric lanigan who was a complete gentleman um a friend of the show someone who who brought a completely different perspective an analytical thorough interesting thought-provoking perspective to the show he was incredible his 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 technology knowledge experience his ideology in the sector was unparalleled he was a producer and a freelance technology journalist had a degree in media production as i said a true expert in the field someone who did more than just report news Um, his analytical style was unrivaled unparalleled his approach made him a loved figure in the entire industry through both podcasting and technology and it was with much regret an extremely heavy sorrow heart that that eric passed away on the 18th of february 2014 I still miss Eric. I know you do, Aaron. The show will never have a guest of of that that style ever again. I'll not say quality because everyone has different qualities, but that style. Eric just brought points on board that no one else really sort of thought. Um, and, and relevant points as well. Um, the show lost a true friend in that. The world lost a true gentleman. We have a, a page set up in Eric's memory over at munchtech.tv forward slash E-R-I-K. That's Eric with a K. Um, Eric appeared on more episodes than any of our guests to date. Episode 48, 54, 62, 82, 87, 95, 115, and 137. And as I say, just so sad that someone so young, I think Eric was 27 when he passed away, um, had such a bright future ahead of him. Um, Eric was actually a producer for a very well-renowned 
podcasting network twit um he did other things with other networks as well um and then unfortunately passed soon after um and as i said we have a, a page over at munchtech.tv forward slash erik munchtech.tv forward slash eric what we also do um to mark that occasion and it, it will be in the next few weeks but every year um in around the february time we, we we devote an episode to eric in his memory because his his contribution to the show giving up his own time to join us um and he was always extremely accommodating on that and more than happy and willing to talk um, i think that's something that that just deserves being noted as well as that he actually joined us on two other episodes of munchtech discussions and you you discovered this iron i i completely forgot that fact episode seven and eight way back in 2010 2011 yeah i was just i mean i was basically using our show notes to kind of kind of go through and find when uh, each guest had been on and i i typed in his name and i, I knew he'd been on so many so many episodes of uh, the two techies because obviously we've got them all on that page we've archived he often recorded uh, his side of the video um yep. which unfortunately his youtube channel was was taken down a number of years ago now but we uh we'd archived the videos uh before then um so you can still go and watch those um on uh, the page you mentioned um but yeah i was so surprised to go back and find bearing in mind most discussions had probably 10 or 11 episodes in total i think um i can never, can never find this show i had 15 episodes in total and that was including the name of um the saturday show but yeah i was so surprised he joined us on episode seven and eight. Uh, one of them to talk about uh, broad car, uh, broadband speed, and the other one I think was to talk about Mac antivirus. That was a kind of a show where we picked a picked a topic uh, to talk about. It was a slightly shorter show, uh, probably you know fifteen twenty minutes a week. But yeah, completely you know didn't cross my mind that he joined us on those. Bearing in mind those were recorded oh probably way back in in twenty eleven maybe. Um, so yeah, it was quite some time ago. But yeah, as you say, greatly missed. Uh, um, the insights he brought, uh, I think the knowledge he had, the way he presented himself, he was, you know, definitely destined for things in, in the broadcast world. Um, such a fantastic guest. I mean, like you say, all of our guests have obviously been fantastic and everyone brings a, brings a different perspective, which I think is always so nice. I think, I know we haven't had a guest on in a while, but we like to think, I think me and you have different perspectives, but it is, has often been, uh, was often nice to get that kind of third person um, yeah. or fourth sometimes as well. Um, to, to bring in a different perspective and Eric kind of embodied so many different qualities and, and one of those things was just his sheer knowledge and the ideas he had um, the way he, he thought about things was um, was just kind of different to us which which I think was was really nice and yeah as you say it's, I think every year around around the mid, middle to the end of February it is, is kind of hard because I think when you look back and we didn't ha- we haven't had him on we didn't have him on for some time as well and it was just I don't know it was, it was so kind of heartbreaking at the time wasn't it to learn that he'd passed and whatnot like you know we had him on so many episodes he truly was kind of a friend of the show at that point yeah and that's the thing as you say there was a, a gap between having eric on and eric's passing um and and i guess for for those and eric would have been well known to a lot of people especially those who, who join us on on the two techies but also again the greater podcast and technology network and eric had a, a, a bigger and more impactful outreach than we do no doubt about that but f- far more significant um, and impactful outreach. 
And I guess it's worth noting, we have said it before, we, we did keep in touch with Eric um, just because he didn't join on the show. We, we, we did keep in touch and we, we, we did talk um, to some extent. Eric had a change of um, a focus in life, I guess you could say, and, and technology sort of went to the backseat to, to some extent, still had a, an intake in it, but he was trying to pursue other venues and areas. Um, and so he, you know, he just focused on other things for some time, which kept him low key in the technology world for the last year or two of his life. But that doesn't mean he didn't enjoy it. Doesn't mean he, he wasn't significant in it. And um, you may, you know, be, be glad to know it. It doesn't mean as 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 a show, as a network, we didn't, and, and as people as well. More importantly, we we, we certainly kept in touch um, every so often. And uh, he he was more than welcome as a guest at at any point to the show. Uh, extended thanks also go to as we said Bill Elder who joined us as a guest he was also um, a great talent a great voiceover artist a voice of 30 years on radio who else who more would you want to, to welcome to the show every week Rick Tarrant who is heard on every episode and has been for um, many years now at the start of the show our voiceover artist for the episode introducing you to the network um, as well thanks to Rick for for joining us and, and, and for taking the time to do that as, as a VO talent and of course as we say thank you to you for joining us each and every week over the last decade. I'm assuming you haven't joined us each and every single week over the last decade, because if you had, you, well, you deserve a medal. Now on to uh, the episodes, which have, uh, this is an episode about the episodes, I guess, and the stories which have made the show thus far, and, and what has happened in the last 10 years in technology, and so much has happened that we just had to filter through what could be noted as, as the most significant or impactful, most changeable stories, what, the stories that really change certain parts of technology. And as we said, it's interesting that this show hasn't, or has a, a sort of... S- preceded and potentially will supersede uh, succeed technology that didn't exist and, and won't exist before and after the show. And a lot can change in 10 years. A lot has. The sun rose in January 1st, 2010. Steve Jobs was still the CEO of Apple. The hottest Android phone was the newly minted Motorola Droid. Facebook was still an upstart, having just recently clawed its way to profitability. Uber hadn't reached an app store yet. Spotify hadn't reached the US. Tinder, Twitch and TikTok simply didn't exist. Taking the long view, the individual stories of the past 10 years tend to blur into a few big trends. Social networks consolidated and expanded globally, bringing new anxieties over their political power. Threatened by piracy, content companies traded hard copy sales for monthly streaming charges. The cult of the founder withered while platforms sank into an endless war between the moderators and the moderated. Always political technology became partisan and started to splinter. We talk a lot about the tech world growing up, but this is this is basically how it happened as we've seen in the last 10 years. Understanding how we've gotten to where we are right now in 2010, the best place to start is at the start of 20, sorry, 2020, where we're at now, the best place to understand is starting at 2010. And what really kicked 2010 up the backside was the launch of the iPad. Whether you're pro-Apple, anti-Apple, in the middle, you cannot deny Apple completely rewrote the tablet industry when they announced the iPad in 2010, 27th of January 2010. And Aaron, I don't think anyone could disagree that the iPad probably is the most prominent tablet on the market still to date. Oh, I think uh, I think, I think the rest of the industry pretty much uh, kind of waved the white flag a long time ago on the iPad being the tablet. Um, the amount of people you speak to who are devout Android and PC fans and, you know, they've got an Android phone, they've got a PC, you know, they're not in the Apple ecosystem so much. But yeah, they'll still likely have an iPad because it is just the best tablet. Apple have completely dominated the last decade when it comes to tablets and I think wider in general. Um, Apple have completely dominated the last 10 years, I think. Um, there are actually a few companies I think you could put in that category. I think if you take Amazon, Google, 
Google, uh, Facebook, uh, Apple, um, they truly are the most dominant players over the last 10 years. I, I, I was scrolling through the show notes and, and pulled together some uh, some of kind of the more interesting, some of our favorite stories over the years. And it's like the amount that include Apple releases this, Apple becomes this value, you know, Facebook does this, Facebook does that, Google does this, you know, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. It's like so many stories include them. It really just shows that a, f- a really small subset of companies, I think, have absolutely dominated the uh, the past decade, whether it be for good reasons and also for bad reasons. Um, it's funny. Going back and looking through some of the Google stories over the, over the 10 years, um, a few of them are Google launches this, Google becomes this value. Most of them are Google kill- kills this loved product, Google kills that loved product, Google launches this thing for a week, Google launches its 522nd messaging app. Yeah, and overall, the, the, the core consistency of the companies themselves, the, the theories and the products may not have lasted. The companies have, however. BlackBerry, still a relevant name to some extent, right? Um, It's weird. I think BlackBerry we've probably written off about 100 times, and yet they're still here, and they're still coming out with new things. Um, I think every year we talk about, it's like, this is the year of BlackBerry now, where for so many years we were we were talking about, this is the year that they finally disappear. Um, so yeah, they're a they're an interesting one. And a company which we don't always cover at all. We do, but we don't. IBM. And IBM still exists today. They existed way before the show, and they are still, to some extent, floating. Yeah. They're one of those companies, um, I think there are a few you can put in this category, where they pivoted... Nah, pivot's the wrong word. They changed what they focused on at the right time. Um, yeah. IBM really went heavily into... Not to say they weren't for a long time anyway, but I, IBM basically gave up on the consumer market. Bearing in mind, the consumer market for them was Lenovo. Uh, for years. They sold off Lenovo, um, which has been passed around a few times, um, and really focused on enterprise. Um, You don't hear the name IBM too much in the consumer world anymore, probably rarely, in fact. Um, But they are everywhere in the back end, probably doing better than ever. Um, I think IBM have always been very business and very enterprise focused, but I think that they they kind of doubled down over the past probably 10, 20 years and and really focused on on doing that. Um, So many companies in the last 10 years I think have kind of done the opposite of that and it felt like they've they've the the cool thing to do has, has for a company to to be everything and do everything uh, we've we've really seen a shift in in so many of these big players where when we came into the uh, the decade Amazon they were a you know they sold stuff online uh, Apple made hardware you know they made the Mac and the iPhone and, and Mac OS um, bearing on how new the iPhone was the iPod as well Google a search company Facebook tried to connect you with your friends whereas I think over the past 10 years it's name me something google doesn't do name me something apple doesn't try and do name me something amazon doesn't try and do i i think if you'd probably said to us in in 2010 which one of these companies will get into you know streaming i don't think any of us would have gone basically all of them if if you're if you're not a company producing a tv if if you're a tech company and not producing a tv show you're the odd one out um Mm. it it really is funny how kind of the focus has changed to to not be a single focus company but to, to try and do so much and that's been the downfall of a few businesses we've spoken about over the last few years I think um, pretty specifically when it comes to the likes of Apple how just that lack of focus on anything singular really does lead to 
everything being a bit meh. Um, companies used to be a, a company did one thing and they did it really well. But uh, yeah, the, the the change has really been that, that companies do everything and do it mediocre. Um, we kicked off kind of the beginning of the decade when, when Facebook went out and bought Instagram. Um, they followed up a couple of years later buying WhatsApp. They tried to buy Snapchat, I believe, if you remember. Um, Facebook really became, in that that kind of first five years, they, re- they really became or tried to become the market share leader. I think I've got a, I think I noted a story down. We covered, I think it might have been on Social Media Weekly. Um, around the end of 2012, we covered that Facebook crosses the 1 billion user mark. That was 2012. Here we are eight years later, they're now estimated to be over 2.5 billion. Um, bearing in mind in 2012, they just started the purchase or maybe completed the purchase of Instagram. They're taking in all their users. They'd then go on to buy WhatsApp. Um, again, I don't know if that 2.5 billion estimate includes the likes of WhatsApp. We know WhatsApp has massively grown in popularity. Um, so they, they, I imagine their users are a lot. But I don't know if we want to start going through some of these some of these headlines or, or these, uh, these yeah, stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll not remit too much. We're, we're a good bit of time ahead and we're that... Our contract with you, who joins us every week, is that you would listen for an hour or less, and we're not over an hour. But you're going to give us that exception because it's a decade, and you're you're, you're fine with that, right? Um. So yeah, 2010 was when we started, and and what happened in 2010? So obviously, launch of the iPad. Um, the digital economy bill kind of kicked off, didn't it? Um, that's a story that's felt like we've probably never stopped covering it, and still haven't stopped covering it. Um, Google leaving China. I I don't remember covering that a whole lot, to be honest. Um, launch the iPhone 4. Obviously, that was a big thing at the time. Probably one of the more interesting iPhone launches just purely based on the whole Gizmodo thing. This was the iPhone that the prototype or early version got left behind in a bar. Um, and I can't remember if Gizmodo picked it up or someone picked it up and then sold it to Gizmodo. I forget the exact details, but obviously embroiled in a legal battle for years after that, um, which I believe Apple ended up winning. Uh, but yeah, we basically knew uh, what the iPhone was going to that like before Apple had said or shown anything kind of something that probably happens every year now I think over the years we've, we've we kind of get to know what every iPhone is going to look like not through prototypes being left behind but through everything else um, yeah. the death of Google Wave who remembers Google Wave this is one of Google's mm. infamous social media projects um, there are several of these throughout the decade um, Google Wave one of the first ones um, launched I think just before the show started 2009 I believe um, and then kind of a few years later uh, in 2012 everything had gone read only um, but 2010 was really the uh, that was the, the the beginning of the end Google would obviously retry several times over several more years for social media um, but yeah I think that's about it for 2010 2010 was a was a, a pretty quiet year I think well, I mean um, the the iPhone 4 launched as you said the, the Google Wave uh, fine, well not finally but it, it, it died off in August 2010 but also Google in, in, in January 2010 maybe not something we focused on too much because it was the very start of the show but but google left china essentially u.s tech companies at this time had a hard time dealing with china caught between the draw of a billion new users and the threat of omnipresent surveillance and censorship um that for me probably was the, the biggest most significant thing even though we didn't overly cover it for you is that is that what stands out or what what for you is the, the flagship uh, oh like i said like i just said it's got to be the iphone 4 for me that was definitely i think just because of probably less about the product itself but more about the hilarity that that uh, ensued legally around it and probably how long we were covering that for. Mm. Fair enough. I think with technology, what is interesting
interesting is that the ones that hit the, the headlines of the, the launch of the iPhone 4, the one that, that becomes publicly uh, sort of big and, and huge to the consumers, isn't always the one that, that, that actually makes a difference. But but yeah, fair enough. Okay, 2011. Um, Twitch launched in June 2011. Enough to say that. It's a platform which has a huge following in 2020. It's still relevant. It is, it's changed uh, to some extent, but it, it has more than 15 million daily active users who watch video streaming each and every day. Spotify in July came to the US, became the United States in 2011, permanently changing the way we listen to music. There is no doubt about it. Spotify led and still to some extent do the streaming market in the fact that they are one unified app based around discovery of music, streaming of music, podcasting, which is now available on Spotify as well. Spotify helped smaller artists become big. They helped smaller artists not become big necessarily also, but also become something, at least have a following to some extent, which other um, platforms didn't necessarily give artists the chance to do, just because for a start with iTunes, wasn't so much streaming music at the time, it was buying music and, and you would only buy music if you knew you really liked the artist. And so Spotify changed that. It wasn't the first music streaming platform in the States, but it tied together the strength of services like Pandora, Last.fm, SoundCloud into one single package. There was an algorithm personalization, there was social listening subscription models tens of millions of songs all free with ads for music listeners the model was and still is a slam dunk proposition and competitors like google apple tidal they all quickly followed suit for musicians the new streaming landscape became more of a mixed bag more music is now listened to than ever before but the money from those streams increasingly becomes more elusive particularly from free listeners while the economics might be alarming to some extent it's already clear there's no going back netflix became quickster around the same time july 2011 it's hard to imagine now but before the streaming revolution truly hit netflix was best known for renting out dvds through the mail by 2011 it was clear the online streaming was obviously the future it's also clear that the mail delivery would be the bigger business for years to come it's time to bring the two together. Time for a visionary leadership. Unfortunately, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings screwed it up. He split the two subscriptions, which meant Netflix customers now needed to pay twice to get the same streaming plus DVD service. The beginning for years. Worse, he renamed the DVD subscription business to Quickster, which sounds more like a rural convenience store than a next-generation entertainment company. All told, the debacle cost the company 800,000 subscribers, and Hastings spent the next year walking it back. Netflix recovered in the years that followed, and Hastings became one of the main architects of the shift to streaming video, but the Quickster debacle still stands as a reminder of just how hard navigating shifts in technology and t- consumable technology can actually be. What what really sort of ended 2011 on a, a sad and somber note was someone who was no more, or sorry, more central rather to the, the tech world's image of itself, and, and that was Steve Jobs. His death hit the industry like so significant um, like no other um, in, in that time period anyway. And within Apple, the loss seemed unthinkable. He embodied all of Apple's best and worst qualities, its professionalism, perfectionism, self-satisfaction, its willingness to overturn whole industries were in a better path presented itself. It wasn't clear how far those qualities could extend beyond the man himself. Could Apple go on without him? Looking back, and to quote Steve Jobs himself, joining the dots backwards, we know that Apple kept going and kept being Apple. The iPad wasn't the last big product launch and the iPhone 4 wasn't the last good iPhone. Apple has only gotten more ambitious, expanding into television, personal assistance, health monitoring. Tim Cook has been a success by any plausible metric. His tenure will be thought of as a post-Jobs era and Jobs' spirit still limbs over the company like an unfulfilled promise. Steve Jobs, his, his speech at Stanford, um, which is, is definitely worth a listen, he says something which I sometimes relate to in all walks of life, and that is you, 
you can't join the dots looking forward. And what he essentially means by that, you can't you can't say this is going to happen, so that happens and that will happen and that will mean that. You can only join dots looking backwards. And when you actually join the dots looking back, you say, oh, well, yeah, that happened and so I did that, or that didn't happen, so I did or didn't do that. That all makes sense. And that's exactly how Apple has panned out in the last 10, uh, 9, 10 years. Sadly, in Jobs' absence. Jobs was paramount to Apple as a company, but thankfully, that ethos still remains today. 2012 iron started off april facebook buying instagram um which feels a lot more recent 2012 is a long time ago uh, in may the avengers premiered um again that feels like that happened way before 2012 um great film franchise by the way uh, oculus rift arrived on kickstarter um i think that was probably one of the really big one of the first really big things on on kickstarter and kind of kickstarted the uh yeah, no kickstarter no pun intended there um kickstarted the whole crowdfunding campaign revolution it is kind of gone one of two ways i'd say and then in september the launch of tinder um, a few more things in 2012 that i just grabbed from the show notes google launches google drive um obviously i talked about the facebook crossing that one billion user mark the raspberry pi went on general sale in march of 2012 uh, in january uh, netflix launched in the uk and ireland um i think that was about it oh there was an interesting story about social media emerging as the top news source for under 25s. Um, kind of goes hand in hand with that, uh, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, I think something I mentioned about the explosion of social media. Um, another thing that happened, I think probably one of the kind of biggest social stories of the year was Gangnam Style. Remember the music video on YouTube set a Guinness World Record. It was the first video on YouTube across a billion views, which was massive at the time. But I think now there are so, so many videos that are across a billion views on YouTube. It, it's kind of got to that point where we all remember or many of us remember the first time like a video hit a million views or or someone hit a, a million subscribers and like that was unheard of at the time um and now it's so so common to click on any video or not, or not any video but so many videos from so many different genres and see people that are, that are well over a million subscribers really to show the the outreach of the likes um of youtube um and one last story for 2012 facebook debuted on the stock exchange that was in may 2012 we covered that an episode 129 on to 2013 in which adobe committed to the creative cloud in may of that year photoshop cs6 obviously released 2012 cost 700 dollars so it became one of the most pirated pieces of software in history and i think at that point adobe creative suite included graphic design web and video editing software too powerful to be cheap and so culturally ubiquitous that many users didn't even consider paying for it as long as adobe was selling photoshop the problem would only get worse so adobe decided to start renting it instead and that sparked quite a lot of controversy within the software industry because all of a sudden you didn't own a piece of software you hired it on may the 6th 2013 they announced that all future versions of photoshop would only be available through the subscription-based cloud platform creative cloud which offered the full suite of apps running for 50 dollars a month can move playing off the streaming model that was already taking hold of music and tv Customers weren't wild about the idea. They couldn't own their own software anymore. It solved the financial problem, of course, for Adobe. They stopped selling CS6 in 26, sorry, 2017 and hit $9 billion in revenue the following year. The company has never looked back. And I guess, to some extent, that model remains current today. Yeah, it hit a lot of backlash at the start. And Adobe were probably the biggest guys to do it in the time for software. But others have followed. And to some extent, subscriptions of in-app purchases also um, allow you to do similar. June 2013, Edward Snowden revealed the NSA's PRISM 
project really changed a lot in technology, especially in, in modern day 21st century technology, because there was always the talk that, like, yes, of course, governments know what we're doing and, and it is possible to track and spy on users. We just didn't quite know the scale and extent of it. The idea that government had secret access to tech companies was maybe a little bit fictional. Edward Snowden changed that. Classified documents showed an ongoing national security agency program to steal data from the biggest tech companies in the world, codenamed PRISM. Diagrams showed direct access to databases at Google, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, even AOL. Companies that between them touched just about everyone on the internet. The industry scrambled to show that they knew nothing about the program and later leaks seemed to suggest that the NSA had actively hacked into internal networks to secure the data. But the loss of trust has and still is permanent. After PRISM, it's hard to believe that private data can or could really be private in the cloud. And that has resulted in a shift change uh, from from really being trusted, technology companies being trusted to the most, technology companies being trusted but with a, a pinch of salt and being aware that anything you post or anything that's stored online is accessible but not just anyone but the government also. 2014 started off in February, Aaron, with Facebook buying WhatsApp, yet another one of Facebook's big purchases. I think, I can't remember if this came first or if their attempt to buy Snapchat came first, but I remember um, it, we were all quite amazed at the time, I think, when Snapchat said no. But yeah, February, Facebook buys WhatsApp. They haven't actually, I mean, I'm not really a user of WhatsApp, uh, but they, I don't believe they've integrated it at all. It still stands as a standalone app. Wildly, wildly popular, like an incredibly popular app. Uh, in March, Amazon raised the price of Prime subscription fees for the first time, something I believe they've done almost yearly or bi-yearly ever since. Uh, Gamergate. Um, this was a moment when 4chan four or more tactics spilled out onto the rest of the internet and the targeted harassment problem became impossible to ignore. Um, beginning as a feud between culturally ambitious game critics and a clique of relevant or revenished fans, Gamergate became a free-floating snowball of grievance. Targets were identified, doxxed, and bombarded with threats and abusive messages. At the same time, it became almost impossible for outsiders to figure out what was going on for months. Simply saying the word on Twitter would summon dozens of partisans, insisting it was all about ethics in journalism. Specific targets and groups have faded away, but the techniques and free-floating misogyny feel like an inescapable part of the internet now. It's so true. I think over the past decade, um, there have been movements, good and bad, to definitely highlight, I think, probably some of the worst parts of the internet and then I think as an extension the worst parts of society um, the internet really did allow or does allow people to, to hide behind the screen hide behind the keyboard um, and it, it is nice to see how companies have been doing more people have been doing more it's become not that it was ever acceptable but it's been like stamped in the ground as completely unacceptable on so many uh, platforms and, and we, we, you know we're talking about it very recently on the show with the likes of Twitter and whatnot there is more that can be done um, companies need to do better um, in November of 2014, uh, Amazon launched the Echo, um, obviously a wildly successful product, came out actually in January of 2015, announced in, uh, 20, in November of 2014. Um, the Verge called it one of the most compelling cases we've ever seen for the power of voice control in the years ever since, and that power has become undeniable. Voice control is absolutely everywhere. In our phones, our cars, our TVs, and the Echo has remained at the head of the pack. Thanks in a part to its inexpensive sibling, the Echo Dot. Its wake word, which I won't say, has become a punchline for hundreds of jokes. 
It's gone from curiosity to a hardware agnostic platform with more than 100 million devices sold or released by Amazon's numbers, which rolls us nicely into 2015. You mean the Wick word Alexa? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't ruined it. to do that. I ruined it. <laughs> In 2015, uh, February was interesting. Tom Wheeler implements net neutrality under Title II. We've talked enough about it. Uh, we'll not talk anymore. In October, Google gave a blind man the opportunity to drive. On a sunny day on October 15, Steve Mahan became one of the first people to ride a fully driverless car on a public road. The event was notable for several reasons, mostly because Mahan was legally blind and rode in a prototype vehicle from Google's self-driving car unit, which is now called Waymo, that lacked a steering wheel and pedals. It also helped kick off what's grown into a multi-billion dollar race to commercialise autonomous vehicles. That race had its regulatory and technical setbacks since then, but that first ride made it look an awful lot like the future of transportation. December saw two significant events. The signing of the Paris Climate Record, which in technology is significant due to the carbon footprint technology has in the manufacturing, the use, the upkeep, the consumption, uh, and then finally the end of life, the, the, the disposal of technology. As islands begin to vanish beneath rising sea levels and record-breaking storms brought unprecedented devastation, all the world's nations finally managed to come to an agreement in 2015 to take on climate change together. With the adoption of the pivotal Paris Climate Record, um, Accord, sorry, countries vowed to cut their, their greenhouse gases through, uh, sorry, though to keep uh, global warming from reaching catastrophic levels. The agreement has taken heat from all sides, with climate scientists criticising it is weak, and leaders like President Trump finding even those half measures too strong. But for all its faults, the Paris Agreement is still the gold standard for a coordinated international response to climate change. If humanity is able to avoid the most catastrophic effects of that change, Paris will be pointed that way. Also in December, SpaceX landed a rocket. There's a lot of space flight history. It predates our show. It predates the last decade and many decades before. Practically every rocket that took off vertically became garbage once it reached orbit. After they deployed their satellites, rockets didn't have an easy way of getting home, so they mostly fell back to Earth, never to be recovered. With SpaceX, Elon Musk wanted to change that, programming each rocket to relight its engines on the way back down, lowering itself gently onto a concrete landing pad or autonomous drone ship. But as complicated as that sounds, making it work was even harder. In the first few tries, the rocket simply exploded on impact, which Musk took to calling rapid unscheduled disassemblies, or RUDs. It wasn't clear how long that string of crash landings would go on, but SpaceX finally struck its first landing on December 21st, 2015, with the company's Falcon 9 rocket gently touching down on a concrete pad at Cape Canaveral in Florida. The novelty trick would some soon become routine. SpaceX has since landed a total of 46 boosters, with RUDs becoming a rarity. 2016 was kind of quiet for technology, I think. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to read off 2016 and 2017 here. Uh, 2016, Donald Trump elected president of the United States. Interesting ripple effects, I think, on tech worldwide that we're, we're, we're kind of still talking about. I think that, you know, recent talk of uh, different taxes on tech companies around the world. 2017, in March, Facebook's Cambridge Analytica scandal. This was one of the big, I think, probably the biggest stories uh, since we learned about the prison project. This is one of the bigger privacy stories. Uh, Facebook decided to share user data with third-party apps. It was envisioning a world where people are more connected and social. It was probably not expecting to single-handedly make people all over the globe suddenly care about data privacy. And that's exactly what happened when The Guardian broke a story about a shady consulting firm, Cambridge Analytica, harvesting data from millions of unsuspecting Facebook users. The firm exploited a loophole in Facebook's API to target Facebook users and their friends with a quiz designed to help the Trump campaign reach potential voters more affluent. 
Effectively, Facebook's reputation did not survive the fallout. Dozens of privacy scandals followed as companies seemed continuously incapable of keeping data locked down. It was the beginning of a reckoning for Facebook and the industry at large, which set to work refactoring its APIs and rethinking how it handles customer data in general. We're still in the middle of the data transformation, but it's already one of the most intense political backlashes the industry has ever seen. Uh, Followed up in June, Amazon bought Whole Foods, like I said before, alluded to before. There really isn't anything that these big tech companies don't do anymore, including supermarket shopping. Uh, In December, Ajit Pai repeals Title II of net neutrality. I think one of the biggest stories of the decade. Um, Something we spent so long talking about. I know both of us are so long in the tooth about net neutrality now. Um, It is an important story to cover. It was an important story. still is. Um, It fundamentally kind of decides not just, I think, US focused. I think it has such a huge impact on the world uh, as a whole. Um, It's an important story to continue, continue talking about. I'm sure it'll pop up again as we obviously head into the 2020 uh, American election race. But uh, yeah, I'm really hoping that's one that we can kind of put to bed over the next decade. 2018, Apple became the first trillion dollar company in 2018. Uh, as I said, that was their, their their valuation at a trillion dollars, the world's most valuable company. And since then, it's fluctuated up and down and they've, they've battled with other companies for that title. But they were the first and they made it in that year. September of 2018, Elon Musk, he, he tweeted, he teased about making and taking Tesla private. Then he didn't. It's a bit of backlash. He said, I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420. So he tweeted it on August the 7th, 2018. Funding secured, he said. Those nine words set off one of the most turbulent periods in Tesla's history that ended with Musk losing his chairmanship of the company and paying a $20 million fine to the government. As it turned out, he didn't have any funding secured, despite having held multiple meetings with Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund about backing the privatization effort. Because the promise of a mass stock buyback sent share prices soaring, that casual boast started to look an awful lot like securities fraud. Justice Department is still investigating that failed attempt, but several shareholders may already have sued Mark, or sorry, Musk, Mark, Musk for market manipulation. Uh, may go down in history as one of the most expensive tweets ever sent. November, not quite technology related, but it does relate to California, which uh, a lot of technology comes from. The deadliest and most destructive fire in California's history nearly wiped out the town of Paradise uh, in California, burning through 18,804 structures and killing 85 people. Of course, California has a history of wildfires, but their scale and devastation have gotten worse with climate change. Campfire arrived in the middle of the longest drought in California's history. That drought lasted from 2011 to 2019, almost the entire decade we're talking about, giving rise to arid uh, co- uh, conditions that fueled longer and far more devastating fire seasons. We've seen a new surge of climate activism in the years since that fire, from high-profile figures like Gretna Thunberg to broader groups like Sunrise Movement and Extension Rebellion. It's hard to pin down a single cause for the new surge of activism, but extreme events like this one um, could be a big part of it. 2019, Aaron. Most recent. Uh, Spotify gets into podcasting. Um, a controversial move, I think, in the world of podcasting. I think we probably, I think looking back a year later, a good thing. I think it it, it was one of the things that probably uh, we alluded to at the beginning of the show that increased the mass popularity of podcasting. But something that we were worried about at the time um, with the platform maybe becoming less open. One of the biggest, scandal's the wrong word. Scandal's not the word I want to use. But one of the biggest things to happen um, for Apple publicly in a long time is they cancelled a fully announced project. Apple have obviously cancelled lots of products and projects uh, in private before any 
any company always does. Um, but if you remember, Apple 2018, maybe even 2017, announced AirPower, which was going to be a mat uh, that you could just dump all your devices on. Um, they announced it. It was at WWDC, I believe. Um, you know, got the the full press time, got the full uh, uh, stage time as well. Um, and then it disappeared. Um, it didn't. The weird thing is, it didn't really disappear from. We we still saw it even most recently, I believe. So after the device had been after it had been cancelled, the AirPods, the original AirPods with wireless charging case, came out. So this is after it had been cancelled. They came out with their documentation saying support the Air Power. So Apple really were trying for a long time after that. But in March 2019, they publicly killed Air Power, which I think left a lot of air on Apple's face. That did not look good publicly. Um, and I think it'll probably mean we see less announcements before things are ready uh, in the future. Uh, in June, the FCC affirms robocall blocking by default. Um, and in December, Larry Page and Sergey Brin leave uh, Google. By the time Larry Page and Sergey Brin, uh, Brin sorry, officially left Google, they had been absent for a long time. Neither had been to a company all hands in months. And they've been largely out of the loop since Google restructured to, into Alphabet in 2015. The non-Google Alphabet projects had largely flamed out and the meaningful business decisions were already left to Sundar Pichai. In some ways, it felt like the departure was an official recognition of something that had been true for years. There was a time when the departure of the founders would have plunged a tech company into self-doubt, but at Google, the move was met with something closer to relief. Yeah, I think that kind of rounds out the decade quite nicely. It was There have been some interesting stories over the year. There have been many more stories um, yeah. than that, but we kind of tried to highlight some of the some of the more interesting, some of the turning points, I think, of the decade. You can really see how some single stories, um, how they affected kind of the world. I think the privacy thing was a big one. Um, obviously, the Edward Snowden stuff, the WikiLeaks stuff, um, Facebook, you know, privacy really did become the last couple of years, you know, a selling point for companies. I think we've spoken about that in relation to Apple. But yeah, all of a sudden, the world cared about privacy. Um, it's funny how things that didn't exist at the beginning of the decade as well, you know, in 2014, the announcement of 2015, the release of the Echo. Now, 100 million of them, even probably even more, are in all kind of homes, cars, wherever. Um, it's it's been an interesting decade. Um, I think we could even, you know, there are there are definitely significant moments like you know things you can kind of uh, pick out as turning points. I think the death of Steve Jobs was a big turning point in Apple's history, obviously. But yeah, it's it was a good decade for tech. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what 2020 and what uh, and the decade beyond um, brings. I'm sure we'll still be here covering it um it'll be interesting to i think look back in five ten years again and see uh, see how much has changed and also just uh, you know so i went through two ceos in apple steve jobs and, and now tim cook microsoft and bill gates maintained his position as ceo from 2000 to 2014 Steve Ballmer took over, and most recently Satya Nadella has taken the helm of the company. As we said, it wasn't really, looking back, we're not looking back at product releases as such, or next iterations of, of devices. It's more those turning points which which really have shaped technology in all walks and ways. And and if you look back at the decade, I think there were turning points and different focus points. 2010 was very much ownership of content, and you had your devices, and then streaming came in. Um, towards halfway through the decade, we all almost had the, a new way to consume media, different demands for devices moving forward, self-driving cars, smart technology, which interacts and talks to itself, technology, which wouldn't have been possible in 2010, because half of the devices which are responsible for controlling and, and modulating all of that information didn't even exist. They weren't a thing. 
And so there are so many potentials that 2020 plus and the next decade of technology could bring us, let alone product releases. Think about complete and other industries and, and within technology. And consumers will increase uh, more demand on privacy. Biometric data will power more wearables, both in, in, in fingerprints and facial recognition. And more investing in quantum tech, for sure. People will begin recession-proofing their, their credit. Publishers will leverage AI more. Um, 5G technologies will advance the enterprise. We've been through 3G, we've been through 4G, and we're now into 5G. Neutral interfaces will change the way we think. Um, cord cutting will reach its apex, I think. The voice assistant revolution will move into the car and will become more and more a part of our life and it will become more smart, more integrated, more interconnected. More apps will foster human connection and experiences. Technologies such as AI, virtual and augmented reality and big data will become even more persuasive in retail. And retail will look completely different. Consumers become more demanding. There will be more requests, more uh, fights against misinformation on tech platforms. Autonomous technology will change the way we shop. Cash and autonomous retail technology that will gain faster adoption than it ever has to date. Climate change will drastically transform tech and business, both in the manufacturing, the use, disposal. Profitable growth will require loyalty to companies. Execution is about team within companies. That will become clear. Crowdsource delivery will increase. OEM builders will build more intelligence to their machines. Seamless global connectivity will become more complex and more expensive. Companies will let more people work remotely because high technology will, will allow that. More small and medium-sized businesses will get hit with cybercrime, that's for sure, because as the technology to protect gets smarter, as do those who are trying to fundamentally break it as well. And technology will attract younger customers and younger employees too. Technology, it's, it's, it's scary to say, but I think technology is, is still at its infant stages. And we've just talked about a decade of developments, which in another two, three years time will look infantile and, and silly in comparison. But it's because of those developments that technology is at the stage it is at today. As a network, as a podcast, thank you. As human beings who record a podcast every week just to come and talk about something we enjoy, thank you. We've had multiple, numerous uh, website redesigns, numerous shows and format changes, countless stories and countless episodes, and there's been one constant, sorry, three constants. You, Aaron, myself, and you who chose choose to join us each and every week. I don't like saying listeners. Do you, Aaron? I mean, that, that just seems them and us. It's, it's, it's friends of the show. Um, friends of the show, that's better. So thank you for being a friend of the show. Extended thanks also once again to all those we mentioned at the start of the show. Veronica Belmont, and in no particular order, Veronica Belmont, Bill Elder, Ron Knights, Chris Perlow, Bruce and Cindy Naylor, Don McAllister, Steve Wozniak, and his wife, who was pivotal in arranging that interview, Janet Wozniak, Rob Greenlee, Dave Cryer, Cliff Ravenscraft, Matthew Pierce, Rick Tarrant, Bill Elder, and as we said also, uh, thank you and, and a sorrowful mention to the late Eric Lanigan. We would be remiss, again, if we didn't say thank you ten times over for taking the time to join us and for supporting the show for the last decade and up until episode 496. That does it for this week's episode. We'll be back to normal with the normal news stories we normally cover each and every week. Next week, until then, have a great safe one and we'll see you on 497. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.